to a Hope 103.2 podcast. We're making our way through one of my favourite parts of the Bible, a letter written by Jesus' own brother, James. It's packed with practical wisdom for today. In the passage today, he's in the middle of talking about the way we often show favouritism toward the rich at the expense of the poor. Not much has changed in 2,000 years. Okay, so I'm reading from chapter 2, verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Well, showing favoritism, says James, breaks the fundamental command of God's word, the command to love. The specific law quoted there in verse 8 comes from the Old Testament, actually, from Leviticus 19, verse 18. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. But why does James describe this command as a royal law? The answer is probably this. Jesus is the royal descendant of King David and the glorious Messiah in God's kingdom. And he elevated this exact Old Testament commandment to the highest importance. Do you remember he was once asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we show favoritism, We are rejecting a command which King Jesus brought into the centre of Christian living. It's easy to see how. If I'm kinder to the wealthy than I am to the poor, it's obvious that I don't love the poor as deeply as I love myself. But why does James then introduce adultery and murder into this discussion about favoritism. What on earth have these sins got to do with that general topic? Well, James appears to be underlining the fact that breaking God's law of love makes us lawbreakers completely. He does this by illustrating that principle from two of the most famous and dramatic commandments in the scriptures, um, the sixth and seventh commandment in the famous Ten Commandments. If someone faithfully keeps the law about adultery, says James, and yet breaks the one about murder, such a person is hardly a keeper of the law. He is a lawbreaker. Now, everyone in James's audience would agree with that kind of reasoning. How much more, then, runs James's underlying logic? Does this same principle apply to the royal law of love? Break this law And all other law-keeping counts for nothing. Not to love people, which is what favoritism amounts to, is to turn your back on the entire will of God. It's as if you've broken all of the commands God ever gave. This is serious stuff. Now, the central place given by James to the royal law of love, I think, is pretty striking. The test of Christian health is how we treat our neighbours. The same perspective can be found in the writings of the Apostle Paul. So, for instance, in Romans 13.10, he says this, Love does no harm to its neighbour. Therefore, love 
is the fulfillment of the law. Or how about this one in Galatians 5, 6? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The impact of Jesus' emphasis on love was felt everywhere in early Christianity. Now, from time to time in the history of the church, other tests of Christian health have been proposed. Um, Regular church attendance, accurate theology, an experience of the Holy Spirit's gifts, daily prayer and Bible reading, involvement in evangelism, and so on. All of these things have their place, but when any one of them becomes a sign of who the true believers are, warning bells should sound. The testimony of James and of the wider New Testament suggests that there is only one true test of true faith. Obedience to Jesus' royal command. Love your neighbour as yourself. Daniel Matthews was a 19th century Australian with a story worth hearing. He lived with his wife Jeanette on the Murray River near Echuca from about the 1860s through to the turn of the century. Now, this family ran a successful business and owned a large piece of land on the Murray. Nothing unusual so far. But Daniel Matthews' life changed dramatically one day after this defining incident where he was confronted with the desperate poverty of the local Aboriginal people. He and his wife decided to do something about what they saw, and much of the rest of their lives was dedicated to the service of Aborigines throughout their region. In an era when Aborigines were regarded as subhuman by many Europeans, Daniel Matthews became a relentless advocate for Aboriginal issues. When he discovered that his land was regarded as sacred, Matthews gave a portion of it back to the local people. He set up a mission that provided medicine, food, and education for the Aboriginal people in his area, as well as a bit of Bible teaching. Maloga, as this place was called, became a refuge for Aborigines from right around New South Wales and Victoria. More than once, Daniel Matthews was shot at and beaten up after breaking into a fellow settler's home to free Aboriginal girls chained to settlers' beds for pleasure. With all of this activity, the family business went bust. Daniel Matthews' life of service cost him not only his business, but also his health and his reputation. Some of his friends thought he was absolutely mad. In the eyes of white society, he was anything but a success. And what was the motivating force behind all of this madness? Well, Daniel and Jeanette Matthews were committed to following Christ as Lord. Jesus was the centre, the controlling force of their lives, which meant that everything fell under that commitment. For Daniel Matthews, his calling became clear, and his life reflected a genuine commitment to that calling, to shun favouritism and to love his neighbour as himself. Late in Matthews' life, a journalist from Melbourne came to do a story on him, The story recounted many of the things I've just mentioned, and then it ended with these amazing words. On visiting Maloga, one gets the distinct impression that a life has been given away. These words capture beautifully the radical nature of Jesus' royal law 
of love. Let's pray for the strength to love in the way Christ asks of us. Loving God, give me eyes to see clearly. Help me to know the depths of your love for me in Christ so that I can overflow with love for everyone around me. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.